Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Wow. Wow. Unbelievable. That's all I can say about what I saw yesterday. LSU women's basketball, national champions. Wow. Good afternoon, everybody. Hope you're doing great on this Monday, April 3rd. The year 2023, they saved their best for last. It's plain and simple. Team that really hadn't shot the ball well the entire tournament. Shot 54% from the field, 65% from downtown, and 71% from the free throw line. It wasn't like their opponent, Iowa, was chopped liver because they shot 50% from the field, 47% from the, from the three-point line, and 75% from the free-throw line. But when LSU needed it most, they got it done. <laughs> 59 points in the first half. 59 the highest scoring game in women's college basketball tournament finals history, 102. Just remarkable. We'll get into all the details. Where does this put Kim Mulkey? My goodness gracious. And all this hullabaloo about what happened after the game. I'll give you my honest thoughts on that. But first, let me welcome in my producer, James Mesh inside the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. Head west, we're on KLCJ 1041 in Lake Charles. Streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television television set on because we are simulcast on stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The blonde bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. 102.85, the first national championship in LSU basketball history. And as being one of us that put on that uniform and bounced the ball on that court. And I've talked to many of my teammates and many basketball players at LSU. We are all absolutely thrilled for you, Kim Mulkey, for you, Ladesia Williams and Angel Reese and Flaugé Johnson, Alexis Morris, Kateri Poole, Jasmine Carson, Samaya Smith, and Last Tier Poa, those that were on the floor to put that effort out and have that performance, it's just remarkable. 
All credit in the world to Pat Summit. All credit in the world to Gino Ariema. But what Kim Mulkey has done in taking a program that was dead in the water, that no one cared about, that there was no interest whatsoever, and to do what she did in this quick of a time with the new rules, with transfer portal, having to put together a team on the fly, it's absolutely the greatest accomplishment, I think, that's ever taken place in women's college basketball. It is, without question and without doubt. Okay. Social media is, it can be evil. Anybody can put up anything they want and see if it sticks. If you have a problem with Angel Reese and her doing that, um, you can't see me thing, take your hand and put it in front of your face and go back to forth, back and forth like a windshield wiper. Okay. I remember years ago, Demetrius Bird. You remember Demetrius Bird, LSU football, catching one in the end zone against Auburn with the time running out, getting up and into the Auburn defender's face with, you can't see me? You don't remember Steph Curry putting his hand like he's taking a nap, putting the Boston Celtics to sleep after hitting that three? You don't remember Joe Burrow coming off the field for the national championship game, pointing to his finger. Give me my ring. It was all good then. Now, all of a sudden, Angel Reese does it, and everybody's in an uproar? Well, let me tell you, if you have issues because of her gender, well, that's a you problem. If you have issues because of her color, that's a you problem. Caitlin Clark did it the day before. The game before, she did exactly the same thing. Nobody caused an uproar. So if it's a color problem, that's a you problem. And you need to look in the mirror. Now, if you're an old school and you just don't like any of that kind of stuff, okay, okay, I can understand your viewpoint, but let me just tell you, it's a new world out there. These how players express themselves. They do it all over the place. And here's the greatest thing of all of it. Everybody's complaining about the you can't see me and, and the ring and the taunting everybody's complaining about the officiating. Well, guess what? Welcome women's sports to the mainstream. You have fought the fight endlessly, endlessly. And now they're talking about you. They had over 19,482 people in attendance to watch you play. Women's basketball has arrived, and it's great for all of women's sports. It is terrific. So I don't want to hear about this after stuff. That's how players express themselves. And what's good for the goose 
is also good for the gander. So if you have a problem with gender, that's a you problem. A problem with color, that's a you problem. See, sport is the greatest, team sport is the greatest life lesson you could ever get. It's better than 12 years of a fine education because team sports, you have to learn. That person's different than me. That person comes from a different upbringing than me. That person has different beliefs than me. That person's a different color than me. But teamwork makes the dream work. You learn, and, and coaches, that's what makes them so valuable. Coaches make you learn to get along, to understand, to have your disagreements, but in the end, we're all fighting for a common cause. It's a great lesson in life. And the job that Kim Mulkey did in this short a period of time with nine new players on the court, got them to believe, got them to buy in, to work together. It's, it's, it's miraculous. It's miraculous. Let's not take away from the moment. Was the officiating bad? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Was the technical foul on Caitlin Clark ridiculous? Yes, it was. But if you look back, back and forth, I promise you, it all equals out. LSU had 18 personal fouls. Iowa had 19. LSU went to the free throw line 21 times, made 15. Iowa went to the free throw line 20 times, made 15. The difference? LSU 11 of 17 from downtown. 38 for 70. They took 14 more shots at the goal because they out-rebounded Iowa 37-26. to 14-7 on the offensive boards. LSU did what they've done all year long. They dominated on the glass, and they seemed to wait and save every, every shot they could make. They saved it for the climax, the finale. Remember how poorly they shot leading up to this national championship game? You're going, what did I say? They can't possibly shoot any worse than they did in the semifinal game. It's impossible. Never in my wildest dreams did I expect them to shoot 65% from downtown. 11 of 17. They only turned the ball over 12 times. They had 22 assists on their 38 made field goals. They were flat out awesome. And they don't win the game without Jasmine Carson, who came in and in 21 minutes of play, came in in the first half. Who knows if Angel Reese doesn't pick up her second foul that quickly. Jasmine Carson doesn't get off the bench. But Kim Mulkey went small, put Jasmine Carson in, and she did not miss a shot in the first half. 
didn't miss a shot. Banked one in at the horn to send the Tigers into halftime with a 17-point lead. She was remarkable. Five of six from downtown. Seven of eight overall. Three for four from the free throw line. 22 points. Jasmine Carson was the difference. We're going to talk LSU baseball. We're going to talk Pelicans. We're going to talk all kinds of things today. But when you win a national championship, you finish 34 and 2. 34 and 2. Kim Mulkey's the greatest. She is the greatest. We'll hear from her. We'll hear from oh, the senior whose mid-range game was on fire and took over in the fourth quarter, and it was game, set, match, Alexis Morris. Wow. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Let's take our first time out. We'll hear from the national champion Tigers after this. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The national champion LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Wow, the game is on fire. Now, if you want to see the World Series and cha- uh, champs in person, you're in luck because the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our first Astros weekend getaway of the season. Houston takes on the Texas Rangers on Saturday, April 15th, and you can be there. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score Four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher HC, Le Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We are back celebrating a national championship. LSU arrived on campus uh, earlier today. Had a, a, a pep rally. It's tough this quick and this early. For people to get off of where I don't know how many people were there. Doesn't matter. They celebrated. They had a wonderful time. And um, wow, unbelievable. Kim Mulkey, when she took the gig. And I remember when Nikki Fargus was fired or let go. I called her up and I said, Kim, would you at least listen? And she said, quote, Shorty, you know, Ty. Life is all about timing. Timing is everything. And when that happened, I knew there was a chance. Let the powers to be know. I'm not saying I had anything to do with this in any way, shape, or form whatsoever. No. But I knew they could get her. And she said, look up in those rafters. There's a lot of NCAA tournament banners, but not one of them says national champion." Kim Mulkey, after the game, said, I came home to win titles. And I think that was with about 50 seconds to go, and coaches are hollering, get off the court. And I said, don't tell me what to do. I'm fixing to win another championship. Chess, I think back to my press conference when Scott Woodward introduced me as LSU's coach. 
and the number of people that were in that PMAC, the governor, the politicians, the people who watched me grow up. And I made a statement and asked everybody to turn around and look at those final four banners. Nowhere on there did it say national champion. And that's what I came home to do. And that's exactly what she did. Couldn't have gotten it done. It's a team. You know, teamwork makes the dream work. There's no question. But the performance of Jasmine Carson was was otherworldly. With Angel Reese and Kateri Poole on the bench with a couple of fouls, Jasmine Carson came in. Shooters have to shoot. She's a shooter. She's a perimeter shooter. When that first ball hit nothing but nylon, you thought, okay, that's great because they hadn't made threes all tournament long. And then she kept shooting and she kept shooting. And five for five from downtown ended up with 22 points. She was such a huge, huge part of this national championship win. And she talked about it after. I would definitely say this is the game of my life because, I mean, I won a national championship on the biggest stage possible, you know, in college. Um, but when I woke up, I just wanted to win. I wanted to do anything that, you know, my team needed in this game, um, you know, whether it was defense, you know, rebounding, just anything, supporting them. And, uh, you know, I, I scored tonight, and that's what, you know, pushed us and got us momentum, and I'm just proud of my teammates. Her coach raved about Jasmine Carson. And how about scoring 102 points in the natty? Here's Kim Mulkey. Well, Jasmine wasn't benched for any reason other than I needed bigger bodies with some of the teams we played in the playoffs. And then I just kept that lineup um, because it was just – it was flowing better defensively. Jasmine may be the second best pure shooter that I've ever coached in my career. She can just light it up. And when she made those first couple, I thought, well, first of all, when we got in foul trouble and we had three starters sitting over there early in the first half or the first and second quarter, I thought, just keep it close till I can get them back on the floor. That's what's going through your mind. And then Poa hits a three, Jasmine hits another three, Samaya's in there battling. Um, they, did, they won the game for us. The game was won, in my opinion, in the second quarter when those three young ladies, Samaya Smith, a freshman, last tier Poa, a first time transfer from junior college, and Jasmine Carson, her last and only year playing for me. When those guys got in there and they extended the lead and scored with Iowa, I thought, this is going to be a fun night. They didn't just keep it close. They went in and they attacked. And, guys, we scored 102 points. That has to be some kind of record. Okay? So much for my hollering defense and rebounding, right? That's a lot of points. A lot. It was a record for the most points scored in a women's college national championship game. In the fourth quarter, it was all the senior 
Alexis Morris. Uh, quick um, ball handler. Did a great job defensively. You cannot stop Caitlin Clark. She's just too good. But Clark ended up with 30 points, had to take 22 shots. 19 of them were from downtown. So the energy that Alexis Morris had to extend on the defensive end of the court, you would think, ah, she's just, I mean, whatever you can give us on the offensive end, that's gravy. Well, in 33 minutes, she was 8 of 14 from the field, 1 of 3 from downtown, 4 for 4 from the free throw line, had 21 points, 9 assists, only 2 turnovers. She took over in the fourth quarter. They came up, set that screen. She rolled off the screen, got into the mid-range, stopped, popped, hit nothing but nylon. Here's Alexis Morris after the game. No threes. That's the only thing I kept telling my teammates. Whatever we do, we'll take twos over threes. Um, it was a great team. We knew that they were going to make runs. Coach Starkey, Coach Starkey had been telling us that in the huddle they're going to make runs, but we have to stay composed. And as a leader on the team, I have to keep everybody calm in those moments. It's, it's very important not to panic. And I think, you know, when I do go score in those moments, I just, it just settles my team down. It keeps everybody um, cool-headed and, 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 and level-headed in those moments. She was terrific. She was terrific. She's played her last game at LSU. They will, they'll miss her. You heard Coach Monkey talk about Jasmine Carson with 22. Samaya Smith in 11 minutes had, had two points, had uh, a couple of rebounds, but she defended. And last tier, Poa, two for two from downtown, six points in nearly seven minutes with two assists and no turnovers. The bench was special. 30 points off the bench, far, far outscoring that of Iowa, a huge advantage. And as Kim Mulkey said, they extended the lead, a 30 to 8 advantage in bench points. The tournament's most valuable player, Angel Reese, with yet another double-double, talked about those girls coming off the bench. Yeah, no, this wasn't about me. This is all about the supporting cast. Everybody has played a role all season. And tonight, just coming from the bench, Jazz, Poa, Samaya, they came and stepped up and played big. I mean, they didn't uh, – for Jazz, she probably didn't want to go out as a senior, go out the wrong way, and she wanted to win. So she did whatever it took to win. And Poa played a great job coming in when Alexis was in foul trouble. And Samaya, as a freshman, just getting big rebounds, being aggressive as, as well as she can. And I just, I just think everybody played their role. And that was our, our goal this year, just everybody piecing it together. They pieced it together. They're national champions. Kim Mulkey, you've done it in two years. In two years. How much bigger can this thing go? Well, it doesn't get any bigger than this. We grew it, and I, I say this, you know this, Michael. Y'all have been to the games. We grew this last year. And it was kind of scary because I kept trying to tame that monster. I said, we may be feeding this monster too early. But the crowds just kept getting bigger and bigger. And the student section, guys, is, is off the charts at LSU. And I, I, we're national champions in year two. And we're not all seniors. We lose four outstanding seniors. But the core of your, your group are young and, and underclass, and you hope they stay. Uh, Lord knows every time you turn around, you got to deal with 
people in the transfer portal, but you signed the number one recruiting class in the country. And this, that was before we won a national championship. We haven't even won an SEC championship. We're working. We're working. And when they come to visit LSU, I can't describe it to you. People love winners at LSU, fans off the charts. I can tell you, I don't want one negative thing written if we don't win a national championship next year, okay? Telling y'all in advance, they're hard to do. <laughs> they're going to be favored to win one. You can book that. One more, James, if you don't mind. Um, Kim Mulkey's won three at Baylor. Now she's won one at LSU. She talked about how special it is to win at the school in the state in which she grew up in. With about a minute and 30 to go, I couldn't hold it. Got very emotional. That's really not like me until that final buzzer goes off, but I knew we were going to hold on and win this game. And I don't know if it's the mere fact that we are doing this in my second year back home. I don't know if it was the fact that I am home. I don't know if it was looking across there at my daughter and my grandchildren. I don't know if it was looking across at Ellis. I don't know what it was, but I lost it. So that should tell you what I think about it. Very, very emotional and tears of joy. It's great to see. Congratulations. We'll be talking about this for a long, long time to come. Um, I had a, I had a question I asked a long time ago. LSU hired, and, and Scott Woodward did all that. He hired Brian Kelly in football, Jay Johnson in basket in baseball, Kim Mulkey in basketball, Matt McMahon in men's basketball. Who was going to win a national championship first? And I thought because of the players they had returning, I thought maybe Jake Johnson could get it. And he may get it still, but he won't be first. Kim Mulkey shocked the world. She shocked the world. Next year, we're supposed to be their year. Not this one. Not this quick. She's the best. She's the best. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Glenn West will join us. We'll talk about the number one ranked team in the country, and that is LSU baseball after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The world-famous Harlem Globetrotters are returning to the Cajun Dome Saturday, April 15th. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to help you score tickets to the thrilling show. Text GLOBE to 337-283-8100 to score a family four-pack of tickets. That's GLOBE to 337-283-8100. So shoot a text and get your tickets and be amazed at the Globetrotters' famed ball-handling skills, dunks, and laugh-out-loud antics. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And welcome back. Um, as we, as LSU fans, as an LSU basketball player living in the euphoria of winning a, winning a national championship, I didn't, you know, 
I'm very fortunate to be a part of three national championships in football. Saw all the national championships with baseball. I I was wondering and, and hoping and hoping, and I still am holding out hope that the men's team will one day somehow, some way accomplish what Kim Mulkey and the women did, but thrilled, euphoric for their accomplishment. My goodness gracious. And we'll continue to talk about it. Meanwhile, LSU baseball, after a uh, three-win, one-loss week remains number one in all the college baseball polls. Um, they beat Tennessee on Thursday, five to two. They beat Tennessee on Friday, six to four. Tennessee exacted a little bit out of it with a fourteen to seven win on Saturday. LSU will play Nichols tomorrow, and then they head to South Carolina for another. Thursday, Friday, Saturday weekend. And if you look at the SEC standings, um, where did I put that? Let's see. South Carolina is doing very well. Um, Very well. Vanderbilt still leads the East with a 9-0 and record. South Carolina right behind them at 8-1. and The Gamecocks are 26-3 and overall. Kentucky's at 8-1. Florida is at 7-2. So you got four teams in contention in the SEC East. In the West, boy, LSU is 6-3. and Arkansas is 6-3. and And then everybody else is well below 500. Alabama, Auburn, Texas A&M are all 3-6. and Ole Miss and Mississippi State are 1-8. and Eight. Glenn West, kind enough to join us on the phone. We usually get him on Zoom, but we're having some, you know how those things work. Sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. But uh, Glenn West of uh, Go247 Sports, good afternoon, my friend. Hey, Jordy, how are you? I'm pretty happy, man. I, that 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 college basketball yet, yet game yesterday was um, was something. They saved their best shooting performance of the year, I believe, for the biggest game of the year, and I couldn't be happier. I mean, year two, that's, that's just beyond comprehension. Yeah, I mean, look, if I had, if you had told me that LSU was going to allow Iowa to score 85 points in that game, uh, I probably. probably wouldn't have given LSU a very good chance of, of winning at the end, so uh, for them to put forth that kind of effort, that kind of shooting performance, uh, particularly in the first half uh, with, with Jasmine Carson and the 22 points that she scored, um, it, it was an incredible, incredible feat. And, you know, I think it was uh, it was just one of those games where, you know, it didn't really kind of feel real. I mean, it, it was, it, yeah, I think you and I kind of had the conversation a couple weeks ago that maybe this was a Sweet 16, Elite 8 kind of team that could get into the second weekend and then maybe – their luck might run out, and they just kept getting favorable yeah. draws, and they kept converting uh, on their opportunities. And um, yeah, I think probably the biggest thing. I mean, look, defense was what carried them throughout uh, most yeah. of this tournament, most of the season. Um, and then on offense, it was the offensive display of really all time. I mean, they the first time any women's teams have scored 100 points in a championship game. Uh, here they are, you know, in year two under Kim Mulkey as, as the champions of the world. Yeah. Pretty cool. Story. 102 points at 59 at the half. And I, and all respect to Pat summit, all respect to Gino Ariema, 
the two legendary icons of women's college basketball. They grew up at a time, they, they were coached at a time where Tennessee got every great player there was. UConn got every great player there was. The women's game was not nearly as deep with as many good teams and as good coaches as when they were making their runs. I argue to tell you that what Kim Mulkey has done in such a short period of time with the women's game so much better and every team getting really good players and the transfer portal and having to deal with bringing, losing people and bringing people in and having to start from scratch, I think it's the greatest accomplishment in women's basketball history. I really do. It's certainly got to be in that conversation. I think I heard today it was they brought in nine new players last year. Um, and when yes. you're incorporating that much new talent into a system and to get it to click so perfectly in such short order, um, that, that, that to me is probably the most impressive part of all this. I mean, Absolutely. you look at you know, Boje Johnson and, and Angel Reese and uh, Katari Poole. I mean, all these, all these players were not on the roster last year. Really, your yeah. only returning consistent player was Alexis Morris and – um, obviously, he had a really great, great tournament, great fourth quarter yesterday. Um, but you don't get there without that, uh, without those players. Jasmine Carson's another one that you could throw in there that was a new player. So, like, when you have so many new pe- new pieces to kind of incorporate, and um, I mean, we just saw it with the men's how how tough it is to yes. to really kind of build things back up. And um, it, it, we thought it'd be a lot of trial and error with the women as well, but. Credit to Mulkey and her staff for getting the right pieces together and making them fit and uh, capitalizing on the opportunity when they had it. Glenn West, kind enough to join us. Um, all right, let's switch over to baseball. LSU's won three of its four games last week. This SEC series victory over ninth-ranked Tennessee. They're 24-4. and They're number one in all the baseball polls yet again. Um, Skeens doing his thing. Uh Ty Floyd, yeah, yeah, and then Thatcher Hurd. So there's still some question marks here, but they keep winning. What's your takeaway from where they where the Tigers are now? Yeah, I think probably the biggest takeaway for me is just when you look at you know this pitching staff right now. I think there are a couple question marks you can certainly pick uh, you know pick at, and, and certainly the big one is going to be Thatcher Hurd. Kind of mm-hmm. what you do with him moving forward. Um, you know, whether it's moving him back into the bullpen, sticking with him as a starter, I think that's going to be a very real conversation that LSU has to have this weekend because um, they're going to a South Carolina team that's absolutely hitting the cover off the ball. They are, yes. they are a really good offensive team, uh, and you can't go in that environment on the road uh, and give up uh, a, a ton of runs because it's just going right. to be really hard to get back in that game. Uh, but I think – Probably what you're looking at is, uh, you know, if they decide to go away from Hurd, you're looking at Chase Shores, the freshman. I think he probably makes the most sense in that final Sunday start, uh, starting role. So we'll see if they uh, if they make any kind of changes there. I mean, obviously, what you get with Paul Skeens, you're going to have a chance to win every Friday night game. Uh, really, really just uh, another incredible performance against a really good team um, last weekend. And so, I think probably that's what you're looking at with the, the pitching staff side. I thought offensively they, they played really well. Uh, even in the game that they lost, they had 15 hits. They just weren't able to, to keep pace there on, on Saturday in that loss. And 
Uh, it was a really, really good weekend. You had some clutch hits from Jordan Thompson, from Gavin Dugas, yeah, from yeah. Dylan Cruz. A lot of different pieces that are stepping up in, in big-time moments for you. So still feel really good about the offense. It's just about speaking a little, uh, you know, a few things with the pitching staff and seeing what sticks. Glenn West with us. Uh, Dylan Cruz continues to amaze me. Um, in four games last week, he, he only went eight for 13, so a 6.15 batting average, a double, three ribbies, three runs. He's very selective. He walked three times, was hit by a pitch, so his 70% uh, on-base percentage for the week. Um, again, if <laughs> – Continue, continue, continue doing what you're doing. And against Tennessee, you only batted 545. My goodness gracious. It's just amazing that through 28 games, he's still doing what he's doing. Yeah, it, it, it's incredible. And and you mentioned the, the hitting performance, but he, he has just been so, so consistent for you in terms of just getting on base. And yes. um, he went one for four on Thursday, and it was like the roof – was falling in or something. It was like unbelievable that he only got on base one time, only mm -hmm. had one hit uh, in that Thursday game. And what did he do the next couple of days? He comes back and he gets on base nearly every time in the final two games of the series. It was just uh, uh, another really incredible weekend for him. Um, guy that you're going to have to absolutely rely on uh, in, in big spots and big moments. I think you know the most the most ultimate sign of respect for a for a hitter and for somebody of Dylan Cruz's uh, caliber is that there were I counted at least three or four times this this weekend when Tony Vitello walked out to the pitcher's mound uh, and made a pitching change with Cruz up uh, you know up on deck so right uh, he he's just been so consistent for him uh, and teams are really kind of faced with the the question mark of, hey, do we pitch it around this guy and have to really worry about Tommy White, who's next? I mean, it's a real concern, and it's going to mm -hmm. be something that I think this offense has really uh, got to take advantage of a lot more moving forward. One player that, I, I, you know, he's been so good for so long, but he's kind of been taken a little bit for granted, but that's Trey Morgan, who's having an outstanding year. My question to you He's so good at first base. I mean, his glove is is outstanding, but he's good in the outfield. Where, where do you play the kid? And do you sacrifice offense for defense or defense for offense? I mean, it's a great problem to have, but but Trey Moore, where do you play him? Yeah, it's been a question that we've had really kind of entering this, this season was whether or not they would trust him out in left field, knowing how good he was at first base. And I think really the – the Tommy White injury early in the season alleviated a lot of those feelings uh, that LSU could still be really solid at first base and still get Trey in the outfield and have that defensive impact still felt there. Um, he's been really good at the plate this season, especially in SEC play. He's really picked it up, uh, I think, the last couple of weekend starts in particular. Um, but, you know, having him in left field, it now gives you a situational kind of approach if you're Jay Johnson. You can throw – uh, Jared Jones in there at first. If you want to face the lefty, you can throw Cade Beloso in the lineup. If you yeah. want to face a righty pitcher, because uh, he's a left-handed batter, so like there's there's just more options that are open to LSU now uh, that you have Morgan in the outfield with with Cruz, with Josh Pearson, with Paxton Kling. Um, I, I think I think it just really opens up a bunch of different windows for LSU and. Uh, they're just they're they're figuring out which ones are, are are the right the right mix for 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 the right day. 
And I think it's going to be a blessing disguise for Trey Morgan personally, because I think he's going to be an outfielder in, in, in the big leagues. Um, yeah. I, I, so this is going to be a great lesson and help for him. So that's awesome. Uh, for the fifth time in seven weeks, I just got this. For the fifth time in seven weeks, Paul Skeen's National Player of the Week. He made some money on Thursday night, seven innings, uh, one run on five hits, walked one, struck out 12, 12 and seven. He, he made him some money. He's climbing up the charts. Yeah, look, I think he's given uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, who have the number one pick, some, some, uh, some, some, some thinking to do in terms of which <laughs> LSU player to select at the top of the yeah. draft. It's just – it's incredible what he's doing. I mean, his ERA, I think, is right around point six eight or .66, something like that for the season. And, I mean, it's just – it's really a, a unbelievable stat line that he's been putting up and – just striking guys out left and right, his slider, his changeup combo with that 101-mile-per-hour fastball that he gets into the fifth inning with. Um, it, it's just it's a dominant pitching display that we get every single week, and it's why LSU is going to have opportunities to win the first game of every series that they play yeah. moving forward. He's going to put zeros on the board. Uh, it's just about the offense figuring out the other team's ace and uh, getting off to fast starts during the weekend has certainly been a, a common theme for LSU, and that's in no small uh, thanks to what Paul Keynes yeah. is doing on the mound. Nichols on Tuesday at 6.30, then, boy, a huge matchup on there. There is no easy – so far for LSU, there's no easy series. They're at South Carolina Thursday, Friday, Saturday, South Carolina is eight and one in SEC play. LSU six and three. Period. I said this earlier, and I asked you before. So now that Kim Mulkey's won a national championship, she's the first of this new group of four coaches that Scott Woodward hired. So she's taking it away from everybody. I guess the next question is, who's the next to win it? Is it going to be Brian Kelly? Is it going to be Jake Johnson? Or is it going to be Matt McMahon? Who would you guess? Who would you put your money on now? Look, I think uh, I think it's hard, you know, year that year two theme. Uh, I think we got to roll with Jay Johnson here. I think there's they have as good a chance as any uh, to, to to make a run at the table here uh, yep. in, in this in this thing and, and make it a national championship. I think Coach Kelly too. Uh, the, the pieces that they brought in this season, they both have very good shots, but they got a uh, chance. Considering Jay Johnson's right there, at the, in, in, you know, in the middle of his season, I, I would say Jay uh, in terms of the next coach to win a championship. He's he's been phenomenal, and their their team is certainly looking like uh, it, it can run the tables here. Wouldn't it be something if two was the magic year for both of them? Wouldn't that be something? Uh, Glenn West, thank you so much for your time, buddy. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Happy Easter to you, since that's coming up. Thank you always that's for that's your time week. on Monday. Thank Happy you, buddy. Week. All right, buddy. You got it, man. Glenn West, go two, four, seven sports. We're back to wrap up our number one next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Brought to you every day by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches 
along with permanent fat reduction. Eon in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery, you can't win until you start playing. By D.C.'s little capital, Exxon, I-10 at the Henderson-Cecilia exit with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger your mouth has ever tasted. And by Cajun Chef. Ah, crawfish season. Do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef Hot Sauce. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, our number one's in the books, LSU women's basketball (laughs) at the top of the mountain. Just remarkable. Congratulations to each and every one of them. Uh, It's just, that was so much fun to watch. It was really high-level basketball. It was really skilled basketball. Men play above the rim. Women play below the rim. But the ball handling, the passing, the shooting, it was a thing of beauty. Both teams are really good. Caitlin Clark is the best. It's the best women's basketball player I've ever seen. But one doesn't beat five or eight as LSU was. Those three coming off the bench. LSU doesn't win without Jasmine Carson. Played the best game of her life at the most important time of her life. So good for them. They're back, and now you know they got to be. They got to be students, and now Kim Mulkey. Again, that's the that's the way we are in this world. What's next? Already, what's next? Are they going to keep all these players? Are they going to hit the portal again? They got the top recruiting. I, I mean, whew, they're going to be picked preseason number one. You can book it. You can book it. Coming up, hour number two. The Pels are right there. They're going to be in the play-in tournament. The question is, can they get to the number six seed? They're right there. We'll talk with Ali Cassell. Blake Rafino will join us as he does each and every Monday as well. This is the Jordy Helpberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the national champion, LSU Women's Tigers, and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Good afternoon, hour number two of two, and away we go on this Monday, April 3rd, the year 2023, the day after the LSU women's basketball team cut down the nets in Dallas to win the program and basketball at LSU's first national championship. Tonight, the men get their turn. The fourth-seeded Huskies of UConn will play for their fifth national championship their first since 2014 
also one in the state of Texas, it should be noted. Uh, They're in Houston. Should they win, they would tie Duke for the most titles since 1985. San Diego State is their opponent. They haven't been on this stage before. The number five seed advanced to the first Elite Eight, Final Four, and now National Championship game in program history. Should Brian Dutcher's team win, it would be the second time in history a first-time Final Four team won a national championship. You know who did it before? UConn in 1999. It would be the first time a five-seed took the trophy. A lot of records are at stake tonight in Houston. San Diego State, really good defensive team. UConn, really good defensive team. UConn, really good offensive team. Nobody's really totally challenged them this tournament. UConn's won every game in the tournament by at least 13 points. They could finish this championship run with a six straight double digit win, much like the 2018 Villanova Wildcats did. But let's not forget that San Diego State has already beaten the number one overall seed in Alabama. So they've won as a seven point underdog. So is it crazy to think that San Diego State can hang with UConn? I don't think so. I think it's kind of likely. And likely UConn's favored by seven and a half. I think San Diego State makes it closer than that, but I think UConn is going to win it. Um, and Dan Hurley will get something that his brother Bobby did, and that's a national championship, this time as a coach, where his brother, of course, was the point guard for those Duke Blue Devils back in the day with Leitner and all that group and Grant Hill uh, and great, great teams. So the men get their opportunity tonight. The women had more people watching their games. Their ticket prices were through the roof. It was a phenomenal tournament. With great storylines, you had the defending national champions who were undefeated heading into the tournament, and they breezed through, and they thought everybody thought it that South Carolina was going to punch their ticket and go back to back. And then Caitlin Clark showed up and had a 41-point performance, and South Carolina had no answer. LSU was the team that couldn't shoot straight, but boy, they defended and they rebounded. And when Indiana got beaten as the number one seed in their side of the bracket, LSU had a route to get in. Could they take advantage of it? They stifled Miami, stifled them. LSU couldn't shoot it, but boy, they made it even harder for Miami to make anything. And then you had the best player in the game in Caitlin Clark going up against LSU and their defense. No one in the world expected the LSU, <laughs> expected LSU to shoot like they did and score 102 points and shoot 11 of 17 from downtown to get a 22-point performance from Jasmine Carson off the bench. Last-tier POA, two for two from downtown, six points. My goodness. Jasmine Carson, Samaya Smith, and last tier POA in the second quarter with Alexis Morris and 
Angel Reese and Kateri Poole on the bench in foul trouble, that was the difference in the ballgame. They took a close game and extended it by outscoring Iowa 32-20 to in the second quarter to take a 59-42 to halftime advantage, a plus 17. Basketball's a game of runs. Iowa came back in the third. They made it close, and then all of a sudden, Alexis Moore said, uh-uh, not going to happen. I'm not going to let it happen. And her, Kim Mulkey saw it and kept going to her. Go set up a screen by the top of the key. Alexis, go work it. Get your mid-range jumper going, and boom, finish with 21. And that's all she wrote. And LSU wins the national championship over Iowa, 102-85. to My goodness gracious. Unbelievable. LSU baseball, still number one ranked team in the country. They win three out of four uh, for the week, two out of three against Tennessee. They've got Nichols tomorrow at home, and then they go on the road and take on South Carolina. Now, South Carolina is eight and one in conference play, and they're playing great. They're playing great. Speaking of um, some things, Bobby Knight, the ex-Indiana coach, it was learned today that he is battling um, an undisclosed illness, was hospitalized over the weekend, according to an email sent from former Indiana basketball players. The university didn't have an update on Knight's condition. He's 82 years old. Um, We wish him the very, very best. The next thing up for the NFL is the NFL. NFL draft. Um, Jalen Carter, according to his agent, is declining visits with any team selecting outside of the top 10 in this month's NFL draft, according to his agent, Drew Rosenhaus. He's scheduled to visit, visit the Chicago Bears, who will pick ninth on Monday. Of course, Jalen Carter had that incident. The um, Uh, He pleaded no contest to misdemeanor charges of reckless driving and racing last month in connection with a fatal crash in January. Um, He was sentenced to 12 months of probation, a $1,000 fine, 80 hours of community service, and will attend a state-approved defensive driving course. The things you do off the field matter to those who are writing those huge, huge paychecks. So always, always beware, always. Um, Wow. Uh, You know, the big topic, and I said it, I I said my story, I gave my peace of mind in in our number one, this um, situation with Angel Reese, Caitlin Clark, and the you can't see me and everybody up in arms over all of this. Uh, You know, look. Look, if Caitlin Clark can do it the game before and nobody says anything, why should anybody say anything about Angel Reese doing it? It's a whole lot of nothing. People need to just be quiet, stay away from it. Social media can be awful, can be awful. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. It just is. And there's a lot of things that go on in games that you who are watching, whether on television or in the stands, have no clue about. No clue. None. 
um, it, it's a, it's a, <laughs> you got to be thick skin and you got to be tough. That's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. A classic example, old time story, but true. When I played Kentucky had a great player by the name of Sam Bowie. He was so good that, um, he was drafted number two. Akeem Olajuwon went number one. Sam Bowie went number two. And some dude named Michael Jordan went number three in the draft. Sam Bowie, big seven-footer. Never forget it. We come down the court. They've got the ball. I'm, I'm guarding somebody. I cut through the lane. I hear this, oh, oh. And I look, and Sam Bowie's bent over. Bent over, touching, holding his knees. And I'm like, man, what happened? What happened? Come down the court, we score, run down the court again, same thing. And as I'm passing by, Greg Cook, our six foot nine center, said, I'm gonna do it again. And I'm gonna keep doing it till they call a foul. They don't call, I'm gonna keep doing it. Sam Bowie was non-existent. You don't know what goes on during the game. The trash talking, the bumps, the hits, the 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 things that don't get called. Oh, there's a lot that goes on. So who knows? Who knows? But again. The best thing that happened for women's sports in general. People are now complaining about officiating in a women's college basketball game. You know what would have happened a year ago, two years ago, three years ago? Hey, congratulations. LSU wins the national championship. Congratulations to the Tigers. Now let's move on to the big Tiger because Tiger Woods is heading to Augusta and the Masters this week. And that had been it. That would have been it. Now it's leading every broadcast, every radio show. It's leading everything. So a little controversy is good. News, whether it be good news, bad news, whatever kind of news is good, and it's good for women's sports. So I commend, I commend LSU. I commend Iowa and South Carolina and all those before. I mean, it's been a fight. But now you're there. Now, now always remember this. Be careful what you ask for. Be careful because the criticism is going to be there. It's going to be there forever. But you've worked hard to get it. You deserve it. So good for you. And on the biggest stage of all, LSU played their absolute very best. A complete team effort. An historic performance. The most points in a championship game. And LSU's first national title in basketball. Jasmine Carson, you were you were the catalyst. Alexis Morris, you were the nail in the coffin. And everybody else on that court did their job. Didn't turn it over. Rebounded. Shot the lights out. Defended your hearts out. You scored 102 points. Wow. Wow. All right, let's take a time out here when we come back. <laughs> believe it or not, believe it or not, with four games left to go, the Pels are going to be in the play-in. The question is, right now, they're at number eight, but they're a half a game out of fifth. Out of fifth. They've won seven of their last ten. Ali Ali Oxenfrey Cosell joins us next to talk about the Pels and the push for the playoffs.
This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Well, the world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo is coming back in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles has your free tickets. Text RODEO to 337-283-8100. That's RODEO, R-O-D-E-O, to 337-283-8100. The Angola Prison Rodeo returns April 22nd and 23rd, and you can see all the excitement, bull riding, wild horse racing, and convict poker. Text RODEO to 337 337- 283-8100 to watch the world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo, courtesy of Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Welcome back. Monday, April 3rd. The NBA is down to its down to single digit games left. And thanks to a 122-114 win over the LA Clippers. The Pels now 40 and 38 on the season. They've got four more regular season games left. And right now they're in the eighth spot. Tied with the L.A. Lakers. More importantly, they're a game and a half ahead of Minnesota, but only a half a game out of the fifth seed. So there's hope. There is hope. And hope always springs eternal with my main man from At The Bird Rights, Mr. Ali Cassell. Ali, good afternoon. This is getting interesting. Good afternoon, Jordy. This is spectacular. Each passing day gets better and better, right, for the Pelicans. I mean, just... A little over two weeks ago, we were, you know, basically almost shedding tears, right, over just yeah. the downfall and the trend, and it didn't look like they were going to be able to turn it around. But suddenly they have, right, winning seven of eight. And you're right. I love the fact that now it's not are they going to get in the playing term or see some kind of postseason action. Now it feels like they have a legitimate hope to get in the top six, secure a playoff berth you know, automatically. Yeah. Um, you got the Kings tomorrow at home. The Grizzlies on Wednesday at home, the Knicks on Friday, then you go Sunday, the season finale on Easter Sunday. Uh, you're in Minnesota against the Timberwolves. I, I'm, when, you, when you look, only four games left. So when you look, the Pels have a three-and-a-half game lead over Dallas. So they're in the play-in. They're going to be in the playoffs. The question is, Golden State can't win on the road, and you've owned the Clippers. Man, I'll tell you what, um, you hold serve at home, you you got a shot, legit shot in the top six. Right. If you think they can go rough, because there's four teams, right, tied with 38 losses, it feels like two of those are going to get the fifth and sixth seed. So you feel like if the Pelicans can go three and one, they're going to put themselves, I think, in really good position, right, to grab one of those top six. Mm-hmm. So, of course, mm-hmm. the schedule, as you just read it off, is a little bit scary. But here's going to be the interesting thing. How many of these teams upcoming are they going to be resting players, right? The Kings right. really don't have that much to play for, but there's still four games left. And you know how Mike Brown thinks, right? He seems always doesn't want to let these guys take a step off. But maybe the Grizzlies, right? Maybe they want to start thinking about resting players. Knicks, they're not going to have Julius Randle. I know it's Tibbs. Tibbs never probably takes a day off even in preseason, but, hey, maybe he will. And then, of course, the Timberwolves. I'm hoping by the time they get to that game, 
everything will be figured out. And, and therefore, you know, Minnesota, right, they know their fate. They're not going to go mm-hmm. as hard as they probably would if they've got something to really play for still. Yeah, we, we'll have to cross that bridge when we uh, when we get to it. you got to tip your cap to the Lakers. They're, they're really playing good basketball now. Um, and they're trying to they're trying to shoot their way in. So I, and, you know, I golly. I don't know. I, I haven't looked at Golden State's uh, remaining schedule, but man, if they have games on the road, they're going to lose. They will, but I think when I looked at it, first of all, I know it was easy, right? I'm trying to remember who they've got left. I know they play the Thunder next, who you know honestly have not been playing well. Um, right. They've they've kind of really shot themselves in the foot. They're lucky, right? That Dallas is floundering so much. Otherwise, they'd mm-hmm. probably be looking on the outside in. But I know that they do have two road games. Yeah, I just pulled up Sacramento and at Portland. Well, you have to hope Sacramento can do something because, you know, Portland, we see what Portland, they're doing, even yeah. though they beat the Timberwolves, right? Last right. night, that was shocking to see the Portland Trailblazers. They were, I think, 19-point underdogs or something along those lines, and they were able to beat a Timberwolves squad that, of course, is trying to get in this postseason. So Golden State looks like it's an easier, easier road than I think the Pelicans have for sure. I'm with you. Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights. Uh, you know, the the Clippers, they came out with everything. Kawhi had 40 in the ball game, but it was the balanced scoring that was so impressive for the Pelicans. It was. And look, Jordy, we've got to start talking a little bit more about Brandon Ingram. I don't think anybody is really talking about him on a national stage, and that's a shame. Yeah. I legitimately think he's been the best player in the league now for about two and a half weeks. I said, that's uh-huh. your producer. And then when you look at the stats, they say it. He's averaging over 30 points a game since that loss, right, in Houston. He's also close to 10 assists. I think it's about eight and a half or so a game. But here's the important part. His assists, they have a lot of meaning. He's hitting more guys for uh, three-point shots than anybody else in the league over this stretch. So he, in essence, is accounting for so many more points right, than the standard guys racking up the assists. So on top of the 30 points he's given you, He's also given you over 20 points in assist points over these last nine, nine games. So that's over 50 right there. So usually when people start talking about MVPs, they have real, those numbers are really high, right? How many points you create? Well, B.I. is right there at the top of the league right now. Yeah. So, of course, the offense, if you're going to talk about it, you got to start with him. Yeah, no question. Valanciunas gets 23 and 12 in only 28 minutes. The consistent factor of late has been the the production of Trey Murphy. I mean, he's getting you 19, 20 points a night. Trey Murphy, usually, Jordy, when we see players make improvements, it's during the offseason. It seems Mm -hmm. like during his rookie season, we saw Trey really take a step forward in his understanding of the game. Thereby, Willie Green started playing him down the stretch, and I'll tell you what, he had some big games for him, including that play-in game against the Clippers, right? He had some timely threes for them to emerge with that win to get in the playoffs against the Suns. And this year, it's almost been kind of the same thing. While Trey's been playing, right, and he's been playing at a, at a good level, his shot wasn't always there. And, of course, defensively, he was sometimes lost. Remember, he lost his spot in the starting lineup because it just wasn't working. Well, since that time, he's been spectacular, and it's, it's coincided with right about the start of March. So he made last month made more threes in a month as a Pelican, right, in the New Orleans franchise than anybody else ever has in a month. On top of that, I'm loving his decision-making. I mean, how, let's talk about how some of his passes he's making now. That one he caught from Brandon Ingram cross-court and in the same uh, instance, right, while he's in the air, threw to Larry Nance for, for a deuce. His, his development this, this season has been just leaps and bounds to where you can see 
he's going to be a special player. He's probably going to command something close to a max salary. I'm thinking he's yeah. going to start earning himself over $20 million a year yeah. on his next contract because he's more than the shooter, Jordy. It's amazing how um, players, when given the ability to play through mistakes, not have to look over their shoulder every time they turn it over or make a mistake, and the coach believes them in them, how that confidence starts to build and build and build. And he's a he's a classic example of that. Ali Cassell at the Bird Right with Bird Rights with us. Four games to go. Give me the Zion update. Right. Well, with Zion, he's still not practicing with the team. He's roughly at the same stage he was last time when he re-injured right that hamstring. So he's moved on to three-on-three, but it's not, say, that explosive three-on-three it was last time So because we saw him running. We heard about him running, right, full sprints and Mm -hmm. stuff. He's not there yet, but he's at least doing some three-on-three action. So he's kind of really close to – I feel like maybe some game action saying in a couple of weeks' time. I mean, to say that he might be back next week is really pushing it. And I know the Pelicans want him to come back, right, for at least a couple of regular season games. But I feel like that's just not a realistic yeah. thing anymore, right? We, we just talked about there's less than a week left in the regular season. And right. if he's not going full bore yet, right, and not even in five on five contact settings, I don't know how he can get himself ready. So, I think the best chance, honestly, to see him is probably going to be in the playoffs, unfortunately. So you got to make sure the Pelicans can get there, right? That's why it's so important, Jordy, for them to get five or six. I feel like if they do that, I think we're going to get a – it's going to be a great chance we'll see Zion in these playoffs. Yeah, I know how the NBA works. They practice today. They play tomorrow and Wednesday. They're going to give them Thursday off. They'll report for shoot-around on Friday. They'll get a light workout in Saturday before they travel, uh, and then they'll go to Minnesota. That'll be it. So there's really not any time to practice for him to get back with his club, but then there's a break after the end of the regular season, and specifically if you're in the playoffs, you don't have to worry about the play-in stuff. you got a little bit of time. They could incorporate him and move on from there but it's been a topsy-turvy crazy crazy deal and i think you look at dallas that i mean who's going to be the who's going to be the um sacrificial lamb it's got to be jason kidd you know i think you might be right because i kyrie's been playing at a great level since he came over there look luca's still in luca but there's been Decisions made by kids that haven't made sense to me. For instance, Christian Wood, I don't understand why he hasn't seen, on average, say, 30 minutes a game. Yep. That that offense, while they can score points, they could still have more versatility out there. And I think, you know, Wood can give you more things. And then it just goes to everything else. They've been losing so many close games down the stretch where, yeah, the coach has to make an impact. And unfortunately, he hasn't, right? Dallas has lost a lot of tough close Right. Losses since that right. Kyrie Irving trade. So you're not going to put the finger right on Doncic. He's one of the best players in the league. You don't want to really point at Kyrie, right? Because if you're Mark Cuban in the whole organization, you don't want him to walk for anything. You want to make sure he feels welcome at every step right. so you can keep him, sign him to another contract. Because I don't know how you can replace him. And, and, and of course, that leaves kids. I'm with you. <laughs> Four games to go, and the Pels have a three-and-a-half game lead over the 11th-place team. Ten teams make it in. It's almost a lock-stock guarantee. They just need one more win to clinch a a spot, Um, and there's not enough games left. So I feel good about that. Man, who who are you betting your money on to fall out? Because I think the Lakers are going to move up. 
I think the Pels have a chance. That would mean the Clippers and the Warriors would both have to fall out. What are your odds on that? You know what is going to be the biggest game down the stretch? It's on Wednesday. The Clippers play the Lakers. I think whoever wins that is going to get themselves at one of those top six bid, uh, okay. big. So the Clippers, they've been in a downward spiral. And I'll tell you what, Kawhi Leonard, not having played in back-to-backs for two years, suddenly being given that green light to play, even though, albeit it was kind of shortened, right? They only played the first half against the Grizzlies, but still. Right. For the Clippers to lose both of those games, boy, that stings. So I don't know. I don't like the way they're training, Jordy. So I expect, you know, if the things unfold the way I think they will, Lakers will win that game. And then, like I said, they've got a tiebreaker over the Pelicans. And so you've got to feel good about their chances of getting like five or six. If the Pels finish seventh, explain to our audience how the play-in tournament works. Right. Okay. So it's much more enviable, right, to finish seventh or eighth rather than ninth or tenth. Because if everybody remembers last year, Pelicans had to win two games to get Mm -hmm. into the actual playoffs, right, to secure a top-eight bid, which was number eight. So essentially, number seven and eight, they play one game. The winner automatically gets the seven seed in the Western Conference playoffs. The loser goes to play the winner of nine and ten. So think back, like I said last year, the Pelicans went into L.A. because L.A. had lost their first game. And they were on their home turf, though, but they lost that game. So in essence, if the Pelicans get seven or eight, They've got two games to win one because all you got to do is win one or two games, yeah. right? If you get nine yeah. or ten, you've got to win two, and that's a much tougher task. Seven or eight, got two games to just win one. There it is, Ali Cassell. You're you're the best in the business. Fingers crossed. Got the Kings tomorrow. Let's see what happens, buddy. But it's getting interesting. It's getting fun. Um, always appreciate the time. Love talking hoops with you, buddy. Thank you. Absolutely, Jordy. Take care. You take care. That's Ali Cassell from At The Bird Rights. Uh, Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast, next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're brought to each and every day by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets, over 60 in southern and, southern and central Louisiana. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery, you can't win until you start playing. D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon, I-10 at the Henderson Cecilia exit with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger ever. And by Cajun Chef. Ah, turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. Do yourself a flavor. Jordy Holberg was draining three pointers with ease way before Steph Curry came on the scene or was even born. Now back to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we're back 38 minutes after the hour. Time for the Are You Serious podcaster, Mr. Blake Rafino. as women's basketball is at the top of the mountain. LSU baseball is number one in the country. LSU football gets a kicker commitment. It's just really interesting time. Hello, Mr. Rafino. How are you, sir? Doing good, Jordan. No more questions on who's going to win the first natty. The first coach you hire, That's the first right. natty you get. So the question is, who's going to be the next to win one? Is it going to be Jay Johnson? 
year two, like Kim Mulkey was? Is it going to be Brian Kelly? Year two, who's going to be? In reference to baseball, they got to find a third guy. Uh, Jordy, you can't you can't yep. go into Omaha without a third guy, you, you, yep. especially on the mound. So, as much as I'm extremely high on LSU baseball, and think they're probably still the best team in the country. It's hard. It's hard. I don't know. I, I, right. I really, I really don't know. Um, you know, I want to lean LSU baseball because they're the next up, but. Man, Jordy. I mean, Thatcher Hurd's going to throw tomorrow, and he couldn't even get it. He only had, I think he only got through yeah. a third of, of the game. That's right. Uh, on didn't, Sunday. Didn't record so, an out. I mean, I, yeah. I just can't. Right now, I, I'd have to wait and see because you got more. You got a lot of production turn, uh, returning. Uh, and you know what's interesting, Jordy? We're going to talk about this tonight from LSU football perspective. Out of all three levels of LSU defensively, the thing that we had the question on the most was LSU secondary. Jordy, from a statistical standpoint, they were the best of all three levels. That's you crazy. were 80th in sacks. You were horrible against the run, but you were top 30 in passing yards allowed. How yep. nuts is that? So now that Brian Kelly is bringing in new things, I'm really interested to see that position. But I love some LSU baseball. Dylan Cruz is, a, is not from this planet. But it doesn't matter if he's from this planet or not because he can't go out there in a game three scenario and pitch. So, That's right. Jordy, until that happens, um, I'm gonna have I'm on the I'm on the, uh, the the bandwagon of wait and see. I'm with you. Um, I don't know what Jake Johnson does. You don't want to take a kid's confidence away by sending Thatcher Hurd back to the midweek or to the bullpen, but you can only go so far. Um, do you give him another chance against a team that you're going to have to play Thursday, Friday, Saturday on the road? South Carolina, who's red hot and who's hitting the cover off the ball. Do you give the ball back to Thatcher Hurd on a Saturday, or do you go maybe to a Chase Shore? What do you do? Um, no, I, I don't. I, well, I don't. He's not going to him Sunday, Jordan, because he's still, uh, Thatcher Hurd is going to be thrown tomorrow. So, um, if, if he is going tomorrow and back to the midweek, I, I mean, Jordan, they don't. They just don't have a choice anymore. Right, like they, they, they just don't. Now, my opinion, my opinion is if you are going to go somewhere different, I really want to see Nate Ackenhausen. Now, is Nate fully ready to go? Now, he says he is. Now, we'll have to wait and see. But Nate Ackenhausen was 8-1 and one in JUCO and has been clutch this whole year. So I, I think that you leave Chase Shores – and you leave Griffin Herring exactly where they are, okay? okay. And then you find you find a scenario where can can Edwards or Ackenhausen be your dude? That's my opinion. Now, mm-hmm. how they're going to do it, I don't know. Uh, but you might have to go back to what you did last year and by committee. This guy gets two. This guy gets two. This guy gets two. And you might just have to piece it apart. As as much as that stings. Jordan, I don't see another scenario right now. Unless somebody can prove us wrong, Jordan, right? what confidence do I have in Thatcher Hurd or Christian Little? 
I'm with you, Blake Rafino, the Are You Serious podcast. Uh, here's another interesting question, and uh, everybody's talking, and deservedly so. Dylan Cruz has been unbelievable. Gavin Duga, unbelievable. Uh, Tommy White has had his moments. Trey Morgan's been very quiet, but he's had a heck of a season. But the question is, where do you play him? Because he's so good at first base. But he's very good in the outfield. I mean, he's a human vacuum at first base, but he's good in the outfield. You sacrifice the glove at first for more production offensively, or what What do you do with Trey Morgan? Because he can play both. Yeah, so that's a fantastic question. And, and Jordy, I would say put him back at first if defensively you were having serious struggles in, in the infield, right? They right. haven't. Having Jared Jones at first has not hurt them. So, for an example, Okay, you LSU against Tennessee on Friday night gave up a line drive right back up the middle, and then Brady Neal picks off the guy at first, right? Well, Jerry Jones is the one there to tag him out. Defensively, they were fine there. They've been defensively fine with Jerry Jones at first. Yeah, you got to find a way to put Jerry Jones in the lineup. And Jordy, statistically speaking, Jerry Jones is hitting three hundred more points. Three hundred, Jordy. More points when he plays the field versus him DHing. 300. So keep him in there. You got to yeah. keep him in. And, and Jordan, he's hitting 360, right? He's, I mean, yeah. you can't put him in left, okay? No. You got to do so. You can't, you can't keep Jerry Jones out the lineup. You just can't. Now, if this were a situation where it was Kate Beloso, okay, no, you put Morgan back at first. But until. I mean, because the argument is not necessarily Jones at this point. It's about Pearson, okay? Pearson's hitting below 250, okay? Now, he's had some clutch moments, but, uh, Jordy, now you have seven, six or seven dudes at, when you go into the weekend series they are going to hit above 300 with Jared Jones in there. So, I, I, I don't think it's been that big of a difference so far because no. defensively, Jordan Thompson and everybody's just gotten so much better. And I think Trey Morgan is going to say thank you because I think he's going to be an outfielder if he makes it to the big leagues. I don't think he's going to be a first baseman. I think he's going to be in the outfield. So that's uh, no doubt good for good for him on that front. Um, Paul Skeens, National Player of the Week for the fifth time in seven. I mean, he earned himself some money, dude, on that Thursday night against yeah. Tennessee. Twelve strikeouts, one one. He's been – he's ridiculous. He, he's the best pitcher I've ever seen at LSU. No offense to Ben McDonald. No offense to, um, the, the, you know, Aaron Nola. What he's done so far, no one's done. No, you're right. I mean – Outside of the Alex Lane freshman season, when he went, what was it, 10-0, had a below two ERA, you, we have not seen a better dude than this. We haven't. And so, Jordan, I know we talked about this, I think, last week. The Pirates are probably going to take him first. Because when you have a guy that can lock, lock you down offensively, okay, with all due respect to Dylan Cruz, if this were just a – if this were just about talent, okay, Dylan Cruz is going 1-1. But since, since Paul Skeens has come here and can lock you down, and, Jordy, not only is he locking dudes down, he's locking down elite hitters, okay? Like, so as an example, Blake Burke struck out twice on Thursday night. Jordy, Blake Burke's going to be a top 15 pick next year, okay? 
He's done it to Arkansas. He's done it to Brandon uh, Brandon Moss at Texas A&M. He's done it. He's doing it to everyone. That's what makes it so much more impressive. And the simple fact that he's got a, the last two outings, he's had over 100 pitches and hit 101 twice. It's insanity. It's pure insanity. And quite honestly, you got you got to root for the young man. You got to love him. He's probably one of the best character people you you will ever yep. meet too. 83 strikeouts, eight walks. Unreal. Teams are batting 127 against him. I mean, it's just, it's um, with a 0.81 ERA. My gosh. No LSU pitcher has done this to this date. We'll see how it all ends up. But as of right now, he's having the greatest individual pitching performance I've ever seen. And Dylan Cruz is having the greatest hitting season I've ever. I, I thought Todd Walker was always the best player that LSU ever had with a bat in his hand, but this Dylan Cruz is batting five forty three um, through twenty eight games. When he goes, yeah. when he goes two for four, his batting average goes down. That's ridiculous. Well, and not only that, Jordy. I mean, so Ray Rhymes is a good friend of mine, and I talked to you know, and we've talked about this at, at nauseum. Meaning Rafe and myself. Jordy, when you talk about Dylan Cruz, it's not the power, it's not the hits, it's not the, the average. It's There's nothing that Dylan Cruz hasn't seen, right? Yeah. Like, it, it, the professional at-bats that, he's had, that he has. Jordy, he took a 99-mile-an-hour fastball low and outside and was already – knew it was a ball when it left the hand and was out of the box by the time – by the, like, literally as it's hitting the mitt. He's coming out yeah. of the box. He knows. And so he's just he's just seeing it great right now. Now, what's even wilder than that, Jordy? He came into SEC play batting five twenty. He's at five forty right now. We're three weekends in. That's that's what's more nuts to me, Jordy. It's not that it went down; it's that it's going up now. Every single year that Dylan Cruz has entered the SEC, his batting average is going up. So the better pitching that he that he's seen, the better he's become which it, it should be opposite, and it, it never has been. And he's the best base stealer on the team. He's a perfect three for three. They don't steal many bases, but when he takes off, he gets in and is on base percentage 66%. That is insane. It just is. He's, Jordan, he, I, might, I mean, he might play two weeks. This is, this is legit. If you talk to any scout, let's say it's the Nationals or whoever drafts him, Jordan, he might play two weeks of double-A baseball and then get called up. Like yeah. they're, serious about, they're serious about him doing that, depending on how he does when he gets drafted and then goes into double-A. They literally think that, he, that they might – a team, if they're on the brink of a playoff run, a team might bring him up. Like that's – there are – Jordan, I know, I know two scouts that were at the game on Thursday night. That's all they talked about. It's if they drafted Dylan Cruz – that they would that the organization has made a decision that they have really been talking about that him being in double A or triple A two weeks and then going up one week in double A one week in triple A and then going up to major leagues how nuts is that? Yeah, it's crazy. That, um, that, that, that means that Jordan, I don't think like I don't know if people watch religiously like major league baseball. I mean, I know that I do on MLB TV. Like Aaron Judge. Like, there are so many dudes that haven't done this. 
And it's it's like seeing one of those dudes every weekend in Baton Rouge. Yep. Yep. Um He's remarkable. LSU baseball's uh, remarkable. You, you mentioned uh, you mentioned baseball. I got to give a tip of the cap to Rob Manfred. I mean this this uh, pictures clock cutting down twenty five minutes off of each game. It's the greatest invention that baseball's ever had. It's the greatest. Everybody wants to criticize. I mean, people in leadership roles, any kind of commissioner of a sport, they always get criticized. Let's give Rob Manfred a tip of the cap. A bold move on his part, and it's worked, and it's worked better than anyone could have ever anticipated. I can actually sit and watch a baseball game now in its entirety and not fall asleep. So that's terrific. Kim Mulkey, by the way, um, because of her national championship win, got her an additional $150,000, bringing her total in bonuses to $484,000 worth every penny of it. How about that, Blake? Well, and not only that, Jordy, they're going to gross. They're going to gross over nine million dollars on this run. NCAA owes them nine million. There you so, go, Blake. Blake Rafino, the all you She's profitable. So you, I mean, come on. I'm with you. Thank you, buddy. It's always fun on a Monday, man. Happy Easter to you and your family. You too, Jordy. Go Tigers. Thank you very much. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back and wrap it all up next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Man, are you tired of your boring man cave? Well, the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a new recliner from Bordelon's Furniture, a flat-screen TV from AVI, and more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover, powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip, and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, a special day. The champions are back. Congratulations yet again, Kim, your entire staff, all your players, LSU fans around the world. You celebrate a national championship, the first in the basketball program history of LSU, men and women combined. So what a what a what a great game. What a great moment in time. That was terrific. Thanks to our guest today, Glenn West, talking LSU, Ali Cassell, the Pels. They're going to be in the play-in. Can they get into the playoffs? Can they get that number six seed? They got a shot. They got a shot. And of course, Blake Rafino. Uh, if today, April 3rd, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with, I think, one of the most talented people ever. Acts, comedic singer, Eddie Murphy, 61 years old today. James Mesh, thank you so much for all you do in the producer's chair. Thanks to all of you for listening in, whatever form or fashion that it is. And thank you to our partners that make it happen every day. Until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh is next. 
So long, everybody.